Welcome to the Campus Rush Podcast. We believe that God will speak through this word and meet you right at the point of your need. We hope that God will bless you through this message. And I I felt like what I was going to do tonight was going to set the tone uh, for the coming conference, YOF, or the, the conference that we saw there. And something that's supposed to transpire. This is going to be a historic year um, for many of you. And even that conference is going to be a very aggressive meeting for what the purposes of God are for this place. Say it is so. We're looking at 1 Kings 19, verse 1, and it says. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me and more, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. And came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah. And he left his servant there, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold then, an angel touched him. And said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time, and touched him, and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink. And went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto the Horeb, the Mount of God. Father, thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you uh, tonight about something that is very, very important, um, particularly when we're talking about wildfires and the fire of God. One of the things that we've got to gather around is the subject of hunger. And uh, the fire of God is a hunger issue. Nobody sees God beyond their hunger level. And I can't tell you how many places I travel around the world trying to locate hunger. Uh, And it's a very, very, very dangerous thing for a church to lose hunger, for a Christian to lose hunger, for a nation to lose hunger. And there's such a boredom around the world right now with what a lot of the church has produced, so much so that the boredom is the reason behind a lot of the deception that people have signed up into, other gods, other religions, because many people are not impressed with what they've seen from who's supposed to be the New Testament church. But if a man or a woman can locate hunger in a people, then they can train that very same said hunger and revival is there. Hunger is a powerful thing. Not only is it a sign and symptom of life, it is a primary resource of growth for any living species. If you lose your appetite, you die. 
the moment your appetite disappears for anything more than what you don't have you die you corrode you fall into disease and tonight I really feel like what I'm supposed to do is impart a greater hunger you, the 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 threat of coming power is our contentment with current power if you are okay with what you have currently, you are not hungry enough for what you need. If you're satisfied with how you've seen God move, what you've seen God do, that satisfaction is a distraction. We really need a mentality that says whatever I've seen before, it's good. But as of this very moment, it's simply not enough. And that's the resource that God's hand starts to turn to put hunger in a person. Say it is so. One of the things that revivalists do is develop hunger in people. They trace it, they track it, they train hunger in people. When people have fallen into sin, into bondage, into iniquitous patterns, into the occult, into perversion, what's happened is the wrong kingdom has located their hunger and has steered their appetite in the direction of something destructive. So a part of what we realize now, even before we go through our text, is heaven and hell are after the same things in you. And it's the power of your appetite. In every generation, in every city, in every nation, the, the, the war, the battle is over the same thing. Who can grab the hunger first? And we see this in several places in the scripture. So for you to get why this is relative as we go through the conversation of the angel and Elijah, I want to walk you through how this happened in the scriptures. Remember when Daniel made a decision to consecrate himself and he took upon a fast to break the yoke or the barrier between heaven and earth. He was praying and he seemed as if he was getting no answers and we found out that there was a prince that was guarding Persia that was withstanding him. Well, what he did was he moved into a greater realm of hunger by fasting. He inflicted himself and he was offered things by his culture to satisfy him. They came and they offered him things, the things that everybody else around him was eating. And the Bible says that Daniel purposed within his heart because to the natural man, hunger is a stomach issue. But to the spiritual man, hunger is a heart issue. And you have to guard what you feed your heart. To the carnal person, the stomach is the place where the appetite is traced. But to the spiritual man, you feed your life through the heart. And so Daniel purposed in his heart with these words, I will not defile myself by consuming the king's meat. And that shows us that in every culture, the ruler of that culture has a meat of choice. Something that they groom and cultivate to feed people that they want to bow. Because the law of hunger is this. Whatever you crave has the right to control you. It is almost like a nation in travail. When a woman is pregnant, her whole life in, is interrupted by the appetites. It doesn't matter if it's two or three or four in the morning. If she wants uh, uh, onion rings, she goes to get onion rings. And if she don't go to get it, she uses the man to go and do it. Why? Because appetites are are disruptive they 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 exist 
place to interrupt comfort. It makes you go to stores you wouldn't go to. It makes you go and, and do things with your energy. And Daniel is a picture of a man who was willing to starve himself before he consumed what came from his culture. Here is the problem with being able to penetrate any culture. You must not be like what is if you are to penetrate it. There has to be a distinction between who you are and what exists around you if you are to penetrate it. Now, there is a global discussion about the word relevance. And in trying to embrace or define what that is, many people have abandoned their identity by thinking in order to be relevant, we have to be identical to what exists. But you cannot penetrate a culture if your hunger level is the same. If you crave what the culture craves, then you don't have authority over what's active in the culture. So you need a different appetite what feeds you must be different from what feeds them come on say it is so you are defiled by what you eat by what you consume it determines how you grow it determines your complexion the bible says when the hebrew boys set themselves aside and when daniel set himself aside his complexion was different from the boys who consume what they ate from the culture so now we see that there are tables in the spirit there are tables in the house of the lord there are tables in certain cities and the culture is providing a table and at that feast there are options to digest and if you digest it you become the thing that you consume we also see that this is a very profound principle when you're looking at the life of Saul when Samuel came to Saul and was looking for who he would appoint as the ruler of the nation the one who would bring about a renaissance who would change the entire paradigm of government of military even of artistic expression what I find is immediately after the word of the Lord came through the prophet to Saul he did not take him to church first he did not take him to a doctor first to be checked out. He did not take him to be evaluated by anybody first. Their first discipleship meeting was at a table. Because Samuel knew if you're going to reign, I've got to examine your appetite. And I've got to see if you're able to consume the meat of kings. Because if you eat the bread of peasants, then you'll find yourself intoxicated with the inebriance of your society. And if I'm to sanctify you unto this purpose and separate you unto this cause, then you've got to eat the meat of kings. I'll give you the shoulder portion. So he takes Saul and he prepares the shoulder portion because the shoulder portion is the meat of government. You've got to be able to eat like a king. You can't talk like one, dress like one, take a picture like one and not have the appetite of one. I've got to test you at a table to make sure that you will do well. And when Saul ate 
at the level of his future he was able to go and be coronated as the king I'm here to tell you tonight you're going to the future but not until you develop an appetite for what's out there you will excel and you will move at the level of your eat and this is the season where you are being challenged by God to prepare for the coming days by eating the food of the future and refusing to compromise your appetite for your culture you must eat you must eat you must eat dancing is good praying is good but eating is much better it's, it's, it's important that you learn the power of a daily diet. Every destiny has a diet. You cannot consume what the person next to you consumes. You're not going to the same places. You cannot have the same regimen as the person next to you. Why? Your diet is crafted to your destiny. There is a certain appetite you must have for where you're going. So when people around you are content and they want to be that way and they, they swim in shallow waters and they're nervous about the deep and they want to make you feel guilty about your hunger in fact there are preachers in this nation and others that will get mad if you get too hungry and call you fanatical and convince you that you don't have to seek the power of God you don't have to seek the presence of God just be faithful and you'll get there but no faithfulness does not produce what hunger produces there are people that are faithful to cemeteries and they're not being matured for destiny. I'm here to tell you hunger will separate you. Hunger will distinguish you. Hunger will ruin friendships. Hunger will pull you out of one place and set you to the another. Look at somebody and scream eat. Hunger. 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 Hunger, it determines what God will do next. Hunger is important. It has a language of its own. It has a behavior of its own. There's nothing like having hungry friends around you. <laughs> ah, there's nothing like being surrounded with people who hunt and eat. Who, who know what it is to wake up and need more bread from heaven. It, it, it was a miracle of Old Testament Israel. If you do historic study between Genesis and Deuteronomy, there are no more mosaic laws around anything other than diet. Dietary restrictions. Don't eat this. Do not eat this. Withhold from that. Even in their agricultural practices. He told them you can harvest for six years on the seventh year let it rest. Why? God was not just trying to make them eat because he had an appetite for something he knew that you are only able to move at the level of this menu listen the menu determines the movement if you become filled with poison and religion and tradition and error and witchcraft and control and that's on the menu then you can't go to the future the only thing you can have is yesterday and today but tomorrow is for those whose appetite has been trained by heaven when they started to move and this is all before my text so you can realize I'm not giving you poetry when they started to move through the wilderness for 40 years 
God's choice supply for them was not money. His choice supply for them was not relationships and contacts. His choice provision for them was not the ability to impress anybody. What did God give them? After he gave them the pillar of fire and the cloud as their divine direction system, he gave them a substance called manna. And if you do the biblical research, what manna means is whatever you are in need of. He supplied them with an eternal bread. And here was the secret. They had to eat it when he gave it. Because if they let it linger too long, what blessed them today was going to make them sick tomorrow. I'm here to tell you, this is why some churches that used to be great revival centers are places of witchcraft and death today. This is why places who used to know God's power and the move of the spirit no longer know it at all. Why? They didn't eat the manna for the day and they saved it and didn't distribute it and now it's worms. It's a very important part of your life with God is what you consume, what you allow yourself to be challenged by. If that's not enough to convince you that my text is important, let's go all the way to the testing of Jesus in the wilderness when Satan comes to him after having heard he was the Messiah. And he looks at Jesus, and the very first thing that comes out of his mouth is, if you be the Son of God, take this stone and turn it into bread. It was the test of an appetite. If you're the Son of God, then eat things you shouldn't eat. (laughs) I I want you to genetically mutate this thing and consume it. Jesus' response to that temptation against him was man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God later on this appetite test comes again in Jesus's life when the Bible says that Jesus had been pouring out of himself doing miracles casting demons out of people which can be exhausting and the disciples said look are you going to go to another city put up another uh, uh, tent and do some more miracles you haven't even eaten listen to what Jesus said my meat my meat your meat can be whatever you want it to be it can be TV it can be a marital status it can be a degree it can be to impress people but my meat is to do the will of the father and complete his work That meant that as long as the will of God was incomplete, he was hungry. As long as he knew there was more that God wanted him to do, he was hungry. He was not content with today's victories. He didn't take the time to worship any religious trophies. He was discontent. And that discontentment allowed him to be driven by what other men was distracted by. So, I'm assuming you're quiet because I've located an issue. Maybe you're not as ready for the fire of God as you think because you're not hungry enough. Maybe you've been in church too long and you've gotten used to one song here, a prayer there, but something has happened to your hunger. 
You, you can come to church and be useful and not be hungry. You can serve and sing and not be hungry. You, you, you can be one of the most faithful people in the world and not be hungry. But power is for the hungry. Authority is for the hungry. You, those that have, that are known in hell. Because, uh, listen, we spent so many years in religion trying to be known in heaven. And that's actually the easier part of salvation. The Bible says that when we get saved, our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. He doesn't struggle to write our name there. But you not only need to be known in heaven, God is looking for a generation that has a reputation in hell. And there's a lot of us that are known on the earth, but nobody knows us in heaven and nobody knows us in hell. But my Bible says that when the sons of Sceva were confronted by a greater authority than them they said Paul I know Jesus I know but who in hell are you I'm here to tell you God is expanding your reputation in hell when you wake up in the morning demons are going to scream and say oh no let's kill him not this again shout yes I'm here to make you hungry I'm here to make you hungry I'm here to make you bored with whatever you've seen I thank God that knees don't hurt anymore and I thank God that we've seen cancer go away but we're here to see the resurrection of the dead Jesus said it's a wicked generation that desires a sign and a wonder and we are those that are about to pick up the miraculous mantle of demonstration not because we've earned it but because we are hungry 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 Elbow somebody say hungry say hungry say hungry say hungry so Elijah has this test he has this test and it's a hunger test Jezebel has threatened him he comes out of a victory he comes out of a victory listen to me he comes out of a victory your greatest attack is never pre a victory you have to be careful of how relaxed you get after a victory we really believe that our greatest warfare is pre the battle but your most powerful warfare is after you've won because that's when most people lose hunger they deal with an issue, deal with a challenge, and then wipe their heads and say, phew, thank God for that, and then they coast. But you need to realize that you have an opponent that's looking for you to get vulnerable. All he's looking for is for you to get content with the fact that you've won, and he's coming back for the rematch. If you go to sleep after you've won, then you may lay down and be taken advantage of because your adversary is an opportunist. And the easiest prey for him are those who are no longer hungry. <laughs> the angel comes up to him. says, Elijah, Jezebel has sworn to have your life. Can I talk to you about your purpose for a minute? Can I sober you about what you're walking into? The devil is not trying to hurt your feelings. He's not trying to make you feel some type of way. He is after your life he wants you dead 
Even if he can't physically kill you, he wants you walking like a zombie. He is after you. And one of the things that the church has robbed you of is a reality of your adversary. We treat the forces of darkness as if they are like the boogeyman. You know, if you close your eyes real tight, they'll, he'll go away. But every assignment has an adversary. Every anointing has an opponent. If you've been called by God, then there is a thoroughly crafted enemy for you. And he has a plan to ruin you. And if you lose your hunger, you may slide into a religious coma and become the victim to the powers of darkness. Jezebel said, I'll have your life. You're not going to get a victory and me not retaliate on you. If you come out of one sin, I'll try to attack your family. It's the weapon of backlash. And he, he, he threatens Elijah like this. And Elijah internalizes the words of Jezebel. He takes them and he starts to come into agreement with the curse over his life. With the threat against him. And I believe it brings him into a realm of psychological warfare. Because now you see signs and symptoms of depression. This is the guy who just saw God answer by fire and now he's asleep. And then the angel tried to wake him up once and he's asleep again. Why? It is when you conceive the words of your adversary that you attract his attack to your life. Jesus said the words I speak are spirit and are life. So when you start to receive the threats of hell against you, it becomes a seed that morphs you and you attract it. Job said the thing I feared the most has what? Come upon me. So you will realize that every time you have a victory, your thoughts are going to change. Satan's going to try to find some conversation in your head or heart about why you're not qualified or why you cannot do it or why you're unlike what is or who does not like you or why you've got more to go than you have but you must develop a preventative hunger a hunger that repels the attack of the enemy lift your hands right now in the name of Jesus the son of the living God I bind all psychological warfare every spirit of torment and terrorism operating on the left and the right side of your brain I command the voices that come out of the underworld and the realm of the dead to let you go in the name of Jesus Jesus Christ of Nazareth I command your mind to be in perfect peace in the name of Jesus Christ you will not succumb to the threats and the words and the powers of darkness but you have the mind of Christ you have the mind of Christ we break the assignment of confusion discombobulation hexes and vexes and spo that's come to bring you down and reduce your energy I call it broke 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 bro. it's broken tonight in the name of Jesus it is broken it is broken it is broken come on scream it Hey, 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 hey. I said scream in here. Elijah has an angel touch him. And he tells the angel, you, you need to eat because seasons deplete you. When you're changing a season, what you ate in that last season leaves you. The mistake that we make is we desire the coming season. We desire the coming level, but we don't eat at the level that we're going to. We listen to the same teaching. Listen to the same music. 
We don't adjust to investigate things that trigger who we are and that has the power to program a DNA suitable to what God said about us. So when God starts talking to you about the next level, your due diligence is to arrange a diet. What do I need to eat? What do I need to lose sleep studying? What do I need to wake up investing in myself? What do I need to begin to say over my life? One of the things that I believe God is doing uh, is breaking the power of word curses. What happens is curses erect a reality around people. The book of Hebrews says it's by your word, uh, the world's word frame. And what the devil does is he uses authority figures uh, to impose upon us demonic worlds uh, and words so that we won't live against. But in the name of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, I loose angels uh, with swords that have been dipped in the blood uh, to hack every demonic trap, every demonic incantation against you. Every word curse, uh, we reverse that power over you right now. And I declare over you uh, that this is the season uh, where you're going to run in greater energy and in greater passion and in greater focus because your hunger is coming back hey 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 come on slap somebody upside the head tell them your hunger is coming back your hunger is coming back your hunger you don't have to convince hungry people to pray you don't have to convince hungry people to shout you don't have to convince hungry people to sow their seed hunger has a mind of its own and when i sit next to another hungry person i explode in it the angel comes to elijah and he says something to elijah i want you to hear wisdom Arise, get from under this tree, and I want you to eat. I'm going to give you bread and oil, and you must eat. Elijah ate and went back to sleep. Many of you have been given meals of revelation, things that God tried to teach you, and you had the wrong response. Instead of getting up to move, you went back down to sleep. When you have revelation, it's not time to rest. Who am I talking to? When you have a directive from God, it's not nap time. It's time to go in the strength of that meat. When the angel of the Lord provides for you something to consume, you've got to start interacting with that meat like your very life depends on it. And just like many of us, God taught Elijah something and Elijah wanted to rest. Lay back down. The angel woke him up again and said, get up, get up, eat. Look at the language or the logic of why he had to eat at this next level. He told him this journey, he didn't say it was too long. He said, it's too great for you. In other words, if you approach the journey before you in your own strength, you've already canceled it out. It's not by might, nor is it by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Let me help you. If you can do what God has called you to do without God, it's not God. If you can afford what God has put in front of you without God, it's not God. God has never called a man to do a thing in his budget. 
He has never put a man up against something that was his same size. Every fight of your future will be unfair. He puts men up against beasts and kings up against giants. You will never have a man-to-man fight. It's man against monsters. And if you don't eat, I'm working in here. If you don't eat, tells Elijah, eat. Elijah gets up and eat. He says, the journey before you is great. Let me explain this. You have no clue what God is readying for you in the next season. You are not prepared for the diverse levels of acceleration, of authority, of access that God's got prepared for you. Even if you have big dreams, they're funny to God. Your largest, most lavish dream of yourself is but a fleeting joke to him. He has much bigger plans. And he never tells you how big his plans are at the beginning. He always leaves out the small print. If you don't believe me, ask Joseph. He said, this is the bottom line. I'm taking you there. He didn't explain how he was going to get there, what was going to process him. But he left out the detail. Why? Because if you see the details, you will become offended by them. If you see the details, you will become distracted by them. He gives you a picture of the end at the beginning to motivate you. Because when the details start, they're going to start working the character of whoever you're supposed to be in you. And many of you, under the sound of my voice, you want a success level that your soul cannot sustain. If you walked in your future right now, it would crush you. It would overwhelm you. You don't have the emotion emotional fortitude of a millionaire ah, but when you eat when you eat and you get your weight up you prepare for the next level look at somebody and tell them get your weight up that's that's the name of my message get your weight up ah that's the name of this prophetic word get your weight up you cute you can sing you dress well but i have a question where is the weight what's missing right now in this generation is not talent what's missing in this generation is not even desire what's missing is weight there's a lot of people saying a lot of stuff and doing a lot of stuff and building a lot of stuff and printing a lot of stuff but there's not very many people who have weight on what they say and weight on what they do they become exhausted by their testimony they become exhausted by what's behind them and they've not eaten at the level of the future and God is looking for people who are empty enough to be filled who are empty enough to receive a greater weight when you have weight on your words you move things when you pray you move things when you shout you move things when you run get your weight up where is the weight where is the weight where is the weight where there, there, there is a weightiness coming upon this people it's, it's not just going to be your local Christian talent show 
where you get a couple rappers and you really appeal there is a weight coming and this degree of weight is going to expose witches this degree of weight is going to receive information from God on a forensic level. This degree of weight is going to have money power to move things out of one hand and out of one kingdom to a brand new ca- Come on, we want the weight. We want that. Whoa, whoa. We want the weight. We want the weight. We want the weight. We want, yeah. We want the weight. We want the weight. We want the weight. Bible says that he ate he ate he ate and went in the strength of that meat God wants a generation of meat eaters we we built churches and ministries for milk drinkers but we have very little meat eaters. There are people who speak in tongues and don't know the doctrine of justification by faith. <laughs> Muslims around the world start to indoctrinate children at four and five. We hand them coloring books and puppets and move on with our lives. And we wonder where revival went when we robbed our children of weight to give them cartoons we turn their future over to the powers of hell where's the weight where's the weight where's the weight where is the weight why are we afraid of letting god ruin services where's the weight why can't this man have his house back whatever happened to the smoke that that would come out when people would preach and people would get arrested and have trances and visitations of God that would move them out of the history into the ancient future we are looking for weight but weight is the heritage of those who eat there's no weight because people don't eat at the right level Elijah ate and he ate a meal provided for him by angels and the Bible says he went in the strength of that meat to a place called Horeb which is the mount of God you see you eat for a high place if you are a low life and you like low living and low thinking and low singing then you don't need to change your appetite. You can stick with that one little stupid Bible verse a day, that eight measly prayer minutes on your way from one place to the next. Don't do anything different. But if you've got the mount of God in your view, if you've got the mount of God in your view, you must eat. You will not win this nation on 20 minutes of prayer. You will not win this nation on cookies and crackers, 30 minutes of worship. You must do what you need to do to get weight upon your back and weight upon your words and weight in your mouth.
the New Testament, there's a woman who is a Gentile. She comes to Jesus asking for a miracle. And Jesus is like, based upon the law, I shouldn't give you anything. Because deliverance is the children's bread. It's what the children have a right to eat. Deliverance is my portion for them. Jesus taught them to pray, give us this day. I'm going over here. Give us, give us this day. Do, do I, when we read that, we almost read it with Anglican lenses. But that is a passionate prayer. Give us this day. That's a relentless cry. Give us this day. He doesn't say, if it be your will, or please, some master, whenever you feel like it, or if you so choose to look, please don't. But no, he says, no, we are sons. Give us, come on, God. we are sons. Give us this day. Give us this day. Our daily, our daily, our daily. There is a daily prayer. There is a prayer for the day. A prayer for the season. I feel the anointing the woman was too hungry to be turned around she was disqualified by the law but her hunger ignored the qualifications Jesus said I can't feed you you're not one of us I can't feed you I can't heal your daughter this is reserved for the children and the woman looked at Jesus and said okay sir I understand what you're saying but you don't understand what I'm saying even the dogs even the dogs even those that have lived in darkness and those that didn't come from the church and those who have even the dogs have the right to eat the crumbs that come from the master's table and what did Jesus say I have not seen such faith in all of Israel be it unto you I'm here to tell you that when you are hungry Jesus will break the rules for you I said when you are hungry Jesus will break the rules for you come on look at somebody say I'm hungry I'm hungry I'm hungry Are those you want to know why people backslide you want to know why people get convicted and say I think I do want Jesus I just don't want to live for him you know why people switch gods it's because what we should do when people get saved is immediately locate their hunger what do you crave if we had real fathers I'm about to get in trouble if, if we had real leaders who wouldn't be scared of your hunger but that would help you stay hungry that we would have real revival in this 
Jesus. The first time in the Gospels that Jesus taught us about righteousness, it was a hunger issue. Because you can't just preach a person into righteousness. You can't fuss a person into righteousness. You can't even condemn somebody into righteousness. You must create an appetite in a, a person for righteousness. Why? Jesus said, blessed are these who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they, my God, they, that is your promise, they shall be. Hunger, hunger is the secret to moving anything in heaven. God does not just respond to people who need things. There are people around the world who are praying because they have needs. Hunger moves heaven. Hunger moves heaven. Every one of us come to a moment in our lives where the Holy Ghost arrests our hearts asking, how bad do you want it? <laughs> huh? And what are you content with? You must lose your comfort zone. I don't care if it's the people around you. I don't care if it's a, a religious organization. I don't care if it's your background. If you are content with it, you must abandon it as idolatry and commit to allowing heaven to deposit within you a hunger. Because if heaven can get a hold of your hunger, he can turn your life and lead your life and open up realms of power and glory and fire and rain and thunder and water. He can open up the deep to you if you stay hungry you you want the fire you want wildfire deepen that hunger uh, and then you need to be discipled so that you can protect that hunger because if hell gets access to it, you will end up in a snare. I cannot tell you how many people end up in deception, end up in bondage, because nobody taught them to steer their hunger in the right direction. And a hunger that has no guidance will be destructive. But a hunger that's turned towards holiness will lead to revival. So what does this look like? And every day, how do I apply this to my life? It's very easy. Somebody asked me a question. God has blessed us so much in our church to do a lot of things, to build a lot of things. And somebody asked me, a, a, a pastor of a larger church, he said, why do you so quickly relinquish your microphone? if it looks like the Spirit of God is there? Why can't you just get control of the show? If they're worshiping and they go too deep, why don't you stop it and make them stay on that clock? And I told the man, I said, listen, I'm different from you. I've been called to the hungry. And if you get in the way of the hungry, they get hostile. <laughs> 
So we don't rush because everybody else does. And people need a place that they can retreat from their programs and their order of service and their clock that controls the move of God. It's fine to have parameters just in case God doesn't show up. But if the man shows up, you got to be willing to kill the clock and let the river move and let the fire come and let the heavens open. We are a generation that are hungry. We've had it all. We've seen it all. We want the fire. What you must do is get a picture of the Mount of Horeb. There is a high place God is preparing you for. Once you get that in view, you know what you need to eat to prepare for that. And the word of the Lord to you is get your weight up. People can be impressed with you. People can love what you do when you pray or sing or preach or whatever. But if there's no weight on you, then you won't have the ability to destroy yokes. To speak a thing and see it come. You will decree a thing and see it established. Authority is not a matter of volume and microphones. You can yell and still be ignored in heaven. Some people think the louder I am, the more powerful I am. But some of the most powerful people whisper and angels move. Why? It's weights. Come on. It's weights. Come on. Lift your hands. Say, I want the weights. Oh, I can't hear you. Say, I want the weights. Say, I want the weights. I want the weights. I want the weights. Put it on my worship. Put it on my preaching. Put it on my writing. Put it on my career. Put it on my family. Put it on my children. I want Thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush Podcast. If you enjoyed this message and want to partner with us, visit us at www.campusrush.org to become a global partner or to partner with us in giving.